0: Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10am, and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And, if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. As he was setting out on a journey... A man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He, the man who ran up to Jesus, said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Then greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Then Peter said to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, but who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields with persecution. And in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Friends, here we are in this, we had the introduction last week and this week now we have um, the first portion of our series where we look at the first principle and the great ends of the church which could almost serve as a sermon in and of itself or a series in and of itself where we have the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. That's not a small task or anything like that for us, is it? But in these first words, we grapple. We hear the tension between how we balance euangelion, the Greek word for the gospel, the good news, how we balance the good news with salvation. Perhaps the faithful people who crafted these words for us in the great ends arranged them in such a way because they knew you could not turn a page in the Bible without running into a message of good news, the gospel, and salvation. The question for us today as we ponder this first great end is how we will integrate or how we will take this good news, the gospel, and how we will integrate it into a holistic vision of salvation and grace. For we are people who have heard the good news, but do we know what to do with the good news? It's very different to hear and to do. I mean, what are we to do with this message of salvation? The gospel, the good news, as I said, is not really something I think is new. Maybe it is for some of us. But it's not necessarily something new to us per se. But each Sunday, we gather here in this sanctuary, or we gather online in your own worship space that you have created, and we ask questions of how we translate this good news into something that is transformational, into a transformational moment of salvation. And herein enters The man, which we don't really know much about, who asks of Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Some of you had some good points, or a lot of the stuff that was up on the screen before were good points. The man was hungry. He was seeking, seeking salvation. Perhaps he was confused. He is someone who I think we might say knew the good news, who knew the gospel, and came to Jesus with this question. I think it's fair to us to say it's clear he knew what the good news was, and perhaps like us, they just wanted to make sure they had everything else in order. So that on the surface it looked like everything was, nice and neat, packaged. As Presbyterians, we might say decent and in order. On the surface also, I think it's fair to say that they were someone who had a good reputation. They had wealth, they had position, they had status. It seemed like they had their life together. What else could they possibly need to obtain Salvation. And that's where we can't quite put our finger on it, but something doesn't seem quite right about this person who came to see Jesus. I think there's this kind of uncanny valley situation taking place where there's something about this man that seems familiar, but we can't put our finger on it. Perhaps it's because this individual, who seems like they have their life together, who has heard the good news, perhaps it's because this individual could be the person who has taught Sunday school, served on session for years on end, served as a deacon, as a dedicated deacon. Perhaps they were people who were long-time volunteers, or perhaps they were that child who proudly displayed their Sunday—I don't know if you ever saw these Sunday school pins uh, that—yeah, <laughs> perhaps they are that child who would proudly display their Sunday school attendance pins— when it came time for them. Perhaps this person, this man, could be any one of those individuals who we see in ourselves. But at the end of the day, it's not a question of whether if this man is like us. Because they are. And that perhaps is where we feel discomfort beginning to grow the disquieting feeling that stems from the fact that the man who seems to have everything put together or at least looks that way maybe even looking like to have a perfect faith is exposed for what is really at the center exposed not just by anyone but by jesus For this person who comes to Jesus to ask about the question of salvation, even though they know themselves what the good news is, the gospel is, what comes next is too much. The ask from Jesus is too much to bear. Jesus is asking the man, asking us to cast aside all other things, to cast aside all the works we thought were important. All the things that thought gave us status and were important. To give up our position, to give up our wealth, to give up those cherished Sunday school pins. To give up all of that for the sake of obtaining salvation. Because what Jesus is highlighting is that those other things do not earn us salvation. Salvation is not something that can be bought. It is not something that can be sold. It is not something we can ever do to earn it for ourselves. We try to, though. We try to create a culture where we think that we can tell people whether they are or aren't saved. Even here within a church context. How long ago was it that, or well even to this day we find that there are religious traditions that forbid you from taking a sacrament such as communion just because your marriage didn't end up the way you hoped it would? How many of our churches prohibit people who belong to a certain group to partake of the sacraments? How many churches in our communities, in our nation, in our world prohibit women From offering their spiritual gifts to the church. And let me tell you, if we did that here, we would be in trouble. (laughs) I would be in trouble, quite honestly. We try so very hard to say who has and who has not obtained salvation. That's just the way it is. That's the current reality. But that is not the way it's supposed to be. How do we know this? Because right in the text, we hear these words. That Jesus looked at the man and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. It doesn't say that Jesus looked at him and he liked him. He was okay. Or that, ah, you know, fine, you're okay, I guess. Jesus didn't do that. and It also doesn't say Jesus just tolerated him. It says Jesus loved him. Jesus could see past the smugness, could see past this man's pride, could see past everything that he thought, entitled him to salvation. And even seeing through all of that, nevertheless, loved him. That, in and of itself, is the gospel message, the message of salvation rolled into one package. We should note, though, that salvation is not a one-time act. It's not this one-and-done scenario. It's this ongoing process. Or perhaps we might say it's an ongoing conversation, an ongoing relationship, if we want to frame it differently. Because we hear, as we hear this message of good news and salvation, it requires an ongoing process of following. The rich man, we might say or we might guess, wasn't saved even though he knew the gospel, because he was unable, unwilling to embrace the high cost of what salvation really demanded of him, to follow, to follow and to give up everything else he thought was important. Friends, the grace of God is free. The good news is free. But the act of salvation requires a lifelong investment, and it requires a lifelong sacrifice that we as well at some points may be unwilling to follow. But that's why it's an ongoing conversation, an ongoing relationship, a continually unfolding event. It's why I'm personally hesitant to say or to make any kind of claim about the moment I thought I was saved, because I know that my salvation is an ongoing work in progress as part of my response to God's grace and the good news of the gospel. The type of salvation that is worthy of proclamation is one that is free, but also costly, not something that is just free and then cheaply distributed, as Bonhoeffer wrote. Cheap grace is not cheap grace means grace sold on the market, like cheap jack wares. Costly grace is costly because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. This was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as I said, from his book The Cost of Discipleship. Lovely book and recommended it. But this is the type of salvation worthy of proclamation. One that is worthy of our celebrating. That is because it is the mystery of God's grace and salvation. It's free, but at the same time, costs everything. We ask then how we continue, or we ask perhaps then why do we continue to do what we do? Why do we show up to church and why do we participate in discipleship and mission? Well, it's because even if the gift is free, we have a responsibility and our response to celebrating that, to proclaim what this gift of salvation means. Because these are things that contribute to our lifelong faith, our lifelong sense of salvation. We are granted the gospel and we are given the gift of eternal life and salvation for nothing. And all God asks of us is to respond in faith by following God. As we hear this message this morning about salvation, about gospel, about our proclaiming it, I want us to take a moment to consider the gospel, the good news and salvation as it relates to us. I hope that you take time later to reflect on how this might relate to your own life's journey. But I want us to take a moment to reflect corporately. And what I mean by that is we're going to take a minute or a moment and we are going to reflect on this first great end, the proclamation of the gospel, and the salvation of humankind in relationship to us here. I want us to hear the words of our mission statement, our current mission statement, which is the church on the hill is a family of faith guided by scripture and God's amazing grace. Walking forward together in worship and prayer, serving God's children with humility and care. Come grow with us. Within these words, do you feel a sense of gospel or salvation? Or do you think perhaps there's something missing? By the end of our series, it's my hope, it's my prayer that we take some time to take what we currently have and perhaps envision what another purpose for our lives together might look like to be able to incorporate the gospel hope we hear this morning with the good news of salvation, good news that is life-changing and life-altering. Friends, we are reminded of that message in our reading for today, and we're reminded that it requires an ongoing conversation with God, with each other, and within ourselves that continues to inspire in us the work of discipleship as people who give our all for the one who gave all. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.